0: It's Tom again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes... Baby Boomer Ted Patel of Sportsnet Michigan and c 925 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And the Millennial Man is Jared Patel of Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids, Michigan and Fat Stack Sports. Comments and questions can be sent by email to 3pointpod at gmail.com or hit them up on social media at 3 The fellows will get it rolling right after this from our partners. You'll do better with Sheridan.
1: Nelson House Funeral Homes' number one goal is to serve the families in our community. They're not tied into an out-of-state corporation or their board of directors. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. The top priority is caring for our friends and neighbors, being right there when you need them most. With unique service to represent unique lives in mid-Michigan, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. The business started in 1880 and continues the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, see them on the web at nelsonhouse.com or call them at 989-723-5234.
0: three-point podcast located on the corner of shiawassee and m21 in corona
1: welcome to episode 137 of three-point podcast and day 193 of the new world our partners include advanced elevator corona connection hankered sportwear rivals tap house and grill nelson house funeral homes and Sheridan auction service i'm the old man ted Fattel. our middle guy is matt burns on the phone from north carolina and the young fella Jared Fattel joins me here in our mid-Michigan studios. We're going to have a fun show here this evening. We're going to obviously break down the Lions, but we also have a special guest, Annie Agar, and she is blowing up the Internet with some of her videos and tweets. So we'll get deep into that. Before this podcast is over before we get too far along, I also want to remind you of a couple other folks we got on board and they are advanced elevator company. They have the best trained professional field technicians for installation, troubleshooting and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest centrally located the headquarters in the heart of Owasso an area business leader and a longtime huge supporter of the Corona public schools and a proud member of the Shiawassee regional chamber of commerce since 2000 also on board as a teammate. Hankard Sportswear, they're the area's go-to clothing and more printing business with many loyal customers. The Hankard Sportswear team prides themselves by giving a good product at a great value. 100% guaranteed to satisfy your expectations. Owasso, Corona, and St. Paul School spirit wear in stock. They're located in downtown Owasso at 116 West Exchange Street. Phone 989-725-2979 or give them a follow on Facebook at Hankard Sportswear.
3: All right, I tried telling you guys, I really did. Even last week, you guys still had a little bit of Kool-Aid left uh, in your cups, but good Lord. One, Aaron Rodgers absolutely torches us. Aaron Aaron Jones, who I don't even really know who he is. He's like a fantasy guy. It looks like Bo Jackson against us. Our Our defense is horrible. All of our draft picks look bad. Jeff Okuda's wearing number 30. Everything about this team is screams dumpster fire. It's time to fire Patricia. Time to fire Bob Quinn. Time to trade Stafford and just to totally rebuild this franchise. Am I wrong? I, I, how am I wrong?
4: No, I mean, I don't think you're wrong because, obviously, after two games, it's hard to like punt on a season after two games, but we all know the statistics. I think it's like 80% of teams, I think it might even be higher than that, but I think it's 80% of teams who start off 0-2 don't make the playoffs. So, basically, the Lions are done this season. But even after watching the games, you can, t- can see, I don't know, what you guys think but this team doesn't even look like they're fighting i mean there's no. just like no passion even like stafford looks a little off stafford's not you don't see the fist pumps and you know usually he's like a little animated you don't see that it doesn't seem like they're fighting for their head coach is what it comes off as to me and they like no one's even showing up in the stat sheet like trey flowers had one pressure <laughs> yesterday that was his stat sheet 90 90 million dollars for one pressure yesterday so It seems like every move they've made for the roster, whether it's the draft, whether it's free agents, whether it's trades, just has not worked out. So, I don't know. It it does seem like it's time to make a change.
1: Yeah, I mean... I say ride it out, though. We got got a tank for Trevor. You know, let them let them get their paycheck this year. What goods are going to do really to bring in a new coach, even if they lose their first first four games? But we know that's what's going to happen. Well, Some kind of move is going to happen. This but, is the worst franchise in all of pro
0: football history, I think.
3: Here's here's yeah. the deal. Here's what we have to gain from getting rid of Patricia. Now we might as well give another coach a test shot. You know, somebody bring up one of the assistants, even though they all probably suck too. I mean, Bob Quinn, <laughs> um, You wonder why these guys are uninspired. Imagine listening to the defensive game plan where we're going to rush Aaron Rodgers with four guys all day. We're going to give him all the time in the world in the pocket and, and going, hell yeah, guys. like we're, we're Let's get ready to play these guys. We're going to beat them. It's just a What's joke. It? Everyone focuses on the, t- the front four in the NFL except the Lions. I don't understand it.
4: What's crazy is a lot of times they weren't even rushing four. I think la- last year they led the league in three-man rushes. And I think they're still doing that this year. So I know, like, the the analysts during the game, they were saying, like, you kind of pick your poison with Rodgers. You know, like, if you blitz him, he's probably going to pick you apart. If you don't blitz him, he's going to sit back there and pick, pick you apart. So I guess there is that point. But it just seems like it looked like a seven-on-seven seven summer league to me. Rodgers just dropping back, looking around, boom, just dropping dimes left and right. And then, yeah, Okuda's out there getting torched. And, like, I know it's his first game. I understand you know, he was banged up for that week one game, so whatever. Maybe he's not 100%. I don't know. All I know is they took him at number three to replace Darius Slay, and we were told he's the best cornerback in the draft since Deion Sanders, and he got absolutely cooked that whole game. And, again, I know he's a rookie. I know it was his first game. Be patient. But when you're being told that this guy's supposed to replace a Pro Bowl cornerback in Darius Slay, and he's the best corner in the draft. Yep. For it tr- three, it's not like they took this as a second round guy or, you know, someone, like you took this guy at number three and he didn't look that good yesterday.
3: It was hilarious. What you're talking about, was it Ted that was basically saying that his grand master plan for Jeff Okuda was to have him every like three series. It's like a nickel corner. Right. Like, what, is it a me or is it just a red flag that he's wearing number 30? Just not a good <laughs> number for a corner. Like, what is he wearing that for? Give him a number two jersey or
1: something. Yeah. It's one of those silly NFL rules, I believe. I mean, We'll give number were 23, I don't know. Yeah, I know, it's silly. You know, you guys talking about defense. Obviously, their defense is just absolutely pitiful. But watching that game on Sunday and seeing how they managed that clock at the end of the first half, that was the most perfect example of Lions' shit-ass coaching right there. How do you allow that to happen? And Stafford, as much as we love the guy, how does he hang on to the ball so long to get sacked in that situation? I mean, it just was typical Lions that just, you know, you could tell I was a little fired up before the season began, but man, it's already two games in. I don't have any passion for this team, and they obviously have no passion to play. It's just very depressing.
3: And what's depressing the most is the fact that, sure, the Packers are a really good team. Like, we probably weren't going to win the division, but the Vikings are horrible. The Bears, we saw that we were pretty much the better team, so we could have easily slid in, and especially when there's two more teams making the playoffs, easily could have slid into a wild card position this year. And all we need to do is win one playoff game and get that off our backs. And then I think we'll be fine as an organization.
4: Which is crazy to think because I know everyone has seen all the talk about, you know, they fired Jim Caldwell to get to Matt Patricia, and you got to wonder, Caldwell probably would have us in a position to make the playoffs because yeah. he was basically like a 9-7 and seven
1: coach when he was with the Lions
4: which for playoffs. some reason wasn't
1: good enough for yeah. the Lions. <laughs> well, so. you know, I, I'll raise my hand. I was on that bandwagon too, and I was, I'm was i tired of mediocrity. Yeah, sneaking in the playoffs once in a while, but never winning a playoff game. I thought Caldwell got him about as far as he could. I was yeah. probably wrong because you know what? A coach can only do so much. He, he did pretty well with the players he had. Yeah. Patricia's just clueless, though. And, and plus, it, they don't it, have the it, players. It, It seems like
4: he's in over his head. Like, it really comes off to me, like, I mean, I I don't want to take it to this, but like Brady Hoke, you know, when Brady Hoke went to Michigan, he just, you could tell he was like in over his head. You know, probably a good coordinator, good at a Mac school or something like that, but at a big-time school like Michigan, Brady Hoke was in over his head. That's what it seems like to me with Matt Patricia. Like, he's supposed to be the defensive guru. And this defense is horrendous. The defense is horrendous. I mean, yeah. I know you're going against Aaron Rodgers, but last week Mitch Trubisky made the Lions look like a JV defense too. So, and then like you know, you see things like they sign uh, Jesse James, that tight end, to like twenty-two million dollars. The dude has in—he's played eighteen games of the Lions. He's got like sixteen catches, zero targets this year. So you're spending money on a tight end that you don't even want to use because you drafted a tight end at number eight, and you. You get rid of Quandre Diggs. You get rid of Darius Slade. These guys that would have been difference makers on the defense because all they're preaching is culture, culture, culture. You know, they want this Patriot way. They want to do it the way they're doing things in New England. But the thing they're missing is Bill Belichick. You don't have Bill Belichick. So you can't do it the Patriot way if you don't have Bill Belichick. It's just, what, what have we seen? Patricia has a worse record than Rod Marinelli and Jim Schwartz and all these other coaches for the Lions who were
3: awful. Yeah, Patricia's what he's, <laughs> he's bad. You like you said, the funniest thing about him is he's this defensive guru, and the defense has never been so bad. It's never been this yeah. bad. Uh, so what
1: do you do? What do you do at this point? You fire, you, fire okay, Patricia. You fire, let's say you fire Patricia. You fire Quinn. The Lions, you, you the Lions' history is they 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 just bring up some coordinator, nobody with any talent, nobody that has a proven track record. Do you just really roll the dice? And I I think I brought it up. Do you really put a serious push on somebody like an urban Meyer or even yeah. Dabo Sweeney Look, you, something like that or is that just you just categorize them as college guys
3: we no we need to we need to roll the dice with I don't care if it's like a mid-level like I don't even uh, first guy that comes to my mind is like a uh, Mike gundy like just some guy that's like a like a oh, god uh, no, I don't know like please, not necessarily not necessarily no, no, not necessarily no, no. no I'm not saying Mike gundy I'm saying somebody like of that level where he's not necessarily okay. dominating college football. But we need yeah. to find like lightning in a bottle to restart this franchise. It, everything about it is horrible. We've been a laughing stock for at least twenty years. When did that start? I was kind of wondering that. When did we become like a laughing stock of our organization? But before you answer that, uh, you, Matt, you mentioned how he's like Brady Oak. Here's the funny thing about Brady Oak: he's the last Michigan coach to beat Ohio State. He's the last <laughs> Michigan coach to put up a fight against Ohio State in his last year against with a trash <laughs> Michigan team uh, against the Ohio State college football playoff team. That's Brady Oak. Matt Patricia, you don't even (laughs) like the guy. I don't even like the guy.
4: I know people like to go back to that. I mean, Brady Oak beat Ohio State when they had Luke Fickle as a head coach. So, like, yes, any Michigan fan at this point, you can't get greedy. They beat Ohio State, so you take that. Uh, But it was, like, when they had an interim head coach. So, it wasn't, like, some impressive victory. And Harbaugh's... Harbaugh's kept them close in a couple games, but that's a whole other that's a whole other discussion. I do think they need to go after someone because, like, they've hired guys like Jim Schwartz, Rod Marinelli, Matt Patricia, all these guys who were like defensive coordinators, defensive-minded coaches. When you look back at it, it's like you had Matt Stafford this whole time. Why would you not go out and get like a Cliff Kingsbury? The Cardinals go yeah. and get Cliff Kingsbury because they know they want to draft Kyler Murray. Let's get an offensive-minded head coach. The Chiefs have – they want to get Patrick Mahomes, so they bring in Andy Reid, an offensive head coach. Why do we keep hiring these defensive guys when you've got, like Ted has said before, the best quarterback in Lions history? So I I am to the point where I think probably, like, if this season doesn't come together, it's time to probably move on from Stafford. It would be cool – I keep thinking, like, a Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma's head coach, has talked about wanting to come to the NFL – I don't wanna say it, but people have said Ryan Day, you know, Ohio State's head coach, could be an NFL guy. So that's but like if we're moving on from Stafford, then I don't know what the point is. If you're getting Trevor Lawrence, then yeah, get get one of those guys. But that's when I go back to I'm like, why have the Lions never gotten one of these young, offensive minded head coaches? Agreed.
1: I got one final comment too about another possibility. We all agree that Patricia's gotta go, Quinn's gotta go. Is there any way you could see now that they're 0-2, this season's in the tank. There's no no hope, really. Do you think they could possibly still this season package something for Stafford?
3: Yeah, you might as well. I really don't see – because if, as long as we have Stafford, he's not going to let us – I mean, maybe he will if he's healthy. I don't see us losing more than 10 games. So, we're never going to have that very first pick. I don't think as long as we have Stafford. So, I would get him out now. You might as well. Or maybe draft a quarterback and let him – go a year under Stafford next year I don't hate that either
4: to that point that's what makes me just go back to I think Ted you said it or maybe on Twitter should have drafted Tua. like when you look back like what you're saying Jared have a quarterback sit under Stafford now looking at I mean you don't want to like punt on Jeff Okuda he's probably still going to turn out to be a a fine
3: right he's not going to transform us he's not going to transform the Lions that's what we need
4: He's not a, a corner isn't just all of a sudden going to turn this into a Super Bowl contending team. So you have to wonder, like, man, you already had a Pro Bowl corner in Darius Slay. Why wouldn't you have drafted Atua or something like that? So if you were in this position to move Stafford, you've already got the guy. The Lions basically have just screwed everything up. Yeah. So now, like, there's a point. I heard someone say, I forget what it was. Maybe it might have even been Mike, Mike valeni Or someone said, like, what what Bob Quinn and Patricia have done with their whole culture and Patriot Way thing, if they do get rid of Quinn and bring someone else in to turn everything around, it's going to be like a four year rebuilding process because they've just brought in all these dudes who are supposed to be character guys or whatever, spent a ton of money on Trey flowers and some of these other guys. So like, even if they can Quinn, I mean, how long is this rebuild going to take, you know, especially if you go out and draft a rookie quarterback or something, but might
3: as well get it started. Now one last thing uh, before we wrap this up, I said it a few minutes ago. I guess this is probably a question for Ted because he's seen the most Lions football. When did we become a laughingstock? When did that happen? Well, Was it when Sanders prob- left?
1: Probably in the Rick Ferzano era. Bill Palachuk was an assistant coach for the Lions then. This would be uh, early 70s probably. I mean, they were pretty competitive in the 60s, and they had a quarterback named Milt Plum. Think about that. But the, from the 70s on, it's they've been a real joke. I mean, every once in a while they pique your interest, you know. They'd Sanders, have a yeah. playoff team lose the Dallas Cowboys 5 to nothing. How about that for a score? You know, they just couldn't do it. And we talk about Matt Stafford, the greatest quarterback they've ever had. I think the greatest running back of all time in Barry Sanders, and they just wasted him away. Probably that 92 team that he was on, that was a legitimate team that could have won the Super Bowl with a break here and there. They had enough talent on that team. But other than that, it's been dismal since the uh, early 70s.
4: Right, because, yeah, you think about that. You have the greatest running back ever in Barry Sanders, and, what, they made the playoffs a couple times with him, right. and then you've Stafford, his whole career, made the playoffs a couple times with him. So, I mean, we you've always heard the argument. Like, if you plopped, I know the Dallas Cowboys had Hammett Smith, but if you plopped Barry Sanders on that team, I mean, he would have broken every record and stuff. So, yeah, it, it's just a shame that you get these generate even Calvin Johnson, you get these yeah. players that are, like, generational type players and the Lions just can't do anything with it
3: wow uh yeah it's pretty sad to think about it that way but I'll say this
4: you you think Trevor Lawrence right now everyone's talking about the Lions tanking for Trevor he's probably he's gonna stay at Clemson he's gonna stay at Clemson if the Lions get the first pick
3: well if you remember Tua said that he didn't want to go to Detroit right so yeah we got that to look forward I'll also just say this I'll be pissed if we beat the Cardinals this week yeah you could total. you can totally see it happening and just blows up. I just wanted them to lose every game. I don't care if we go zero and sixteen. Lose every game from here on out.
1: But, it would be typical Lions if they won this week for sure, because there's no way they went in the desert.
4: Right? They went in what week four? They play the Saints. So yeah. right, they'll they'll go into the bye week two and two. <laughs> yeah,
3: and then fall apart from there. But all right, three point podcast, Detroit Lions. Uh, Sol. What else can you say? All right, we welcome uh, sports reporter Annie Agar of Wood TVA in Grand Rapids and the uh, in-game sideline reporter for the Grand Rapids Drive. But most, maybe most notably, she is the creator of the popular, the first one at least, I think it was, the Big Ten Zoom meeting uh, videos, among um, a bunch of others. But thanks for joining the show first off. But my first question is this, so how did you even come up with this idea? Because it is, honestly, it's super creative and it seems like a lot of people are trying to almost like copy it in a way because it is kind of the first one of its kind.
5: Thank you. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. Yeah. The idea kind of came from, um, you know, during quarantine, when this whole thing first started, I wasn't working um, and as a sports reporter, obviously that, you know, that hit hard, many other people in the sports industry, but I thought about automatically, you know, how football season was going to be impacted. And when it comes to... To you know, the Big Ten, we like to think about how all these teams have a different dynamic, and you know, they, they all tend to hate each other, but they all wanted to work towards the same goal, which is to have a football season. So mm-hmm. I started thinking, just in all my free time that I yeah. have sitting at home, how you know, how they would be working towards getting that football season back up and running. And obviously, the only thing we have right now are Zoom calls, or I yeah. guess during quarantine, <laughs> that was the only thing we had. So I thought, you know, if the Big Ten wanted to get things going, a Zoom call would be the appropriate, uh, I guess, situation. To be put in mm-hmm. and if that was the case how that would look because like I said they all have this insane dynamic where we all like to poke fun at each other and there's the you know in conference rivalries so mm-hmm. I just started thinking how can I replicate that and then put it out there for the public and that's kind of how the video started
3: <laughs> so who of all I mean obviously I've seen I was speaking of the Big Ten Kurt Street, Ohio State great and play-by-play our color commentary are great uh, he reached out to you and said that he loves the videos. Is he number one on the list of people that have been pretty sweet to see them kind of say that it's funny stuff?
5: Yeah, you know, um, that's a great question. Kirk was obviously a big thing for me because I'm, you know, an Ohio State fan um, yeah. at Ooh. heart. So that was pretty yeah. impressive um, to hear from him. But I've had, you know, Rich Eisen has reached out. Pat Forty has reached out. Mm-hmm. You know, those kind of – it's everybody that didn't – Dan Rolofsky actually just likes my most recent one. So mm-hmm. it's people that in the industry that I looked up to that I've yeah. now – I'm somehow in their, you know, their their eyesight, I guess, on social yeah. media, and that is so big for me. So that's when I really feel it's surreal and I think, wow, like, <laughs> I'm actually getting out there. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. You know, I know Matt uh, was telling me off microphone that today, the most recent one you posted just blew up. Before, our, before we get to that, I want to ask about that, but this is a general old guy question here for you. Give us a little background so our listeners know, you know, your background at college, and what you're doing nowadays along with these.
5: Yeah. So I graduated from Grand Valley uh, with a mm-hmm. sports broadcasting and pre-law major and then a minor in business. Do I wanted to get into reporting. I didn't really, you know, I, I had it, an idea of digital content because, you know, in this changing world, dig, everything's digital now. You know, you mm-hmm. can get clips on, uh, like ESPN clips on your phone instead of having to watch Center, all this kind of stuff. So it's just transitioning a lot. So – I obviously wanted to be a sports reporter, but then when everything kind of stopped in, you know, mid-March, I turned to digital content. And so that's kind of how all this started. But my goal, obviously, is still to be, you know, I want to be either sideline or be some sort of reporter for either a team or, you know, NFL Live or, you know, ESPN, something like that. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it all started with my drive, my ambition to be a sports reporter, and then the digital con- content stuff kind of came to the side of that i guess
6: so yeah ted brought it up the video that you just shared i mean we're, we're recording monday night and about yeah. an hour ago you mentioned dan orlowski liked and commented yeah. on it but the last i checked right before we started recording it was already over 60,000 views so like within an <laughs> hour it's kind of blown up already espn has shared your videos bleacher report and a bunch of other nfl handles and stuff like that so you use the word surreal A few minutes ago, is it? Uh, I mean, is that the best word to describe it? That like this is just seeing notifications from ESPN and stuff (laughs) sharing your content. Is it just kind of surreal to to see that stuff?
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't think of a a different word to use. Yeah, even tonight. So I I uh, had the idea to do a week two video because Mm. someone, I guess, several people last week had commented when I did the week one video on the NFL. They said, you know, this has to be a series. We need one every week, and then. This week I thought, well, I don't you know, I don't know, I don't want to overdo it, but then there was so much great content from this weekend, NFL game wise, so I thought I'll just you know, I'll put one out there and it has blown my mind how it just I mean, if you just sit there and watch it, the retweets are just they, they're constantly going yeah. and it just is so surreal for me to see that and then to have guys like, you know, Orlovsky and um you know, just just other, yeah, like you said, bleach Report, ESPN was the, the big one where I thought, holy cow, because yeah. I had a couple of my friends text me that they'd gotten this update, you know, saying, when it had my name on it, that's what the... the- <laughs> Super weird thing was to see the ESPN logo with my name right by it, because as yeah. I'm sure Jared could tell you, that's been my goal for so long, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to have that kind of uh, credibility, I guess. So it's just been so cool to see, and yeah, surreal is definitely the word I would use.
3: So how long does it take to put one of these together? I mean, it's really well edited. You have to change your shirt about 400 times, your <laughs> outfit and stuff like that. So how long does it take? <laughs>
5: Question. so a lot of people asked you they were like oh did you you buy all these shirts and i'm like no i do not own <laughs> i do not own half those shirts i actually print off the logos and i glue them onto the shirts oh okay random t-shirts um, but i do i change in between each one because if somebody asked over oh, they, they said you know you probably tape everything in that in that shirt and then just slice it together but um, I like to get in the, you know, the character yeah. of each of each team, I guess, or of each shirt. So I'll change it between each each one. So it takes probably, I mean, with the printing off the logos and cutting them out, probably you know an hour and a half, mm-hmm. two hours maybe. And and sometimes it, you know, it depends on if I have an idea in my head already or if I kind of just go with the flow of playing off the character that was before me and all that. So it's a, it's a, very, uh, it's a very interesting um, progression of, of of how it all comes together. But at the end of it, I'm, I'm pretty happy with them. So.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, they are really cool. Transitioning sort of to more uh, high school football, you're also a high school football like sideline reporter, videographer. What was it like this past Friday uh, shooting a game where there was only like each player was allowed two guys in the stands? Did it feel like it had the same vibe or do you think it's kind of lacking a little bit this year?
5: Right. Going into this weekend, well, practices already were super strange, and I covered a lot of practices this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and teams were, you know, super, everybody was wearing a mask, super careful going into practice. But then when it came to game time, you know, the, the stadium or the, the school can only control so much. And, yeah. like, for us as uh, shooters and reporters, we could only be inside. Between the ten yard line and the end zone, and, and couldn't really go sideline at all. It couldn't be by the players at all or anything like that. And then, you know, the, the fans in the stands were social distance, but that did not stop people from, you know, coming into the outfield of the game, to mm-hmm. the, you know, around the around the track, or wherever they could get to without being inside the stadium. So, as, as weird as it was to see the stands kind of empty, and I was out in the so I covered the Mona Shores game. Um, and that, I mean, they they usually have a packed house, yeah. so to see. Stands empty for that was super strange but I mean you still had the crowd cheering and the you know the excitement around it when there's you know third down and stuff like that so as strange as I thought it would be it wasn't as big of a transition Mm -hmm. um maybe for the the guys it was different for the players but yeah as a media person it was I mean it was a Friday night under the lights we were just happy to be back
1: Mm -hmm. hey Annie let me ask you a little deeper question all right um, you know being a being a lady in sports you know that's your future ambition your goal you obviously have to see what's been going on with with like Maria Taylor and you know it's a it, let's just call it a good old boys thing right now you know you're uh-huh. trying to get in there, but there's a lot of people that are just ignorant you know how do you deal with that how do, how are you looking forward how you're gonna deal with that and are you getting much from Twitter trolls
5: uh-huh i love that question um so interestingly enough when this you know when when i started doing these videos there were and it got the one that got on espn there were definitely comments of you know guys that wouldn't have happened had it been a guy on the on the camera Mm -hmm. instead of myself but i you know i kind of knew going into this industry i i'd seen how women were treated and you know and there's a lot of positives but there also were a lot of negatives and i always thought i am not going into this industry to be treated like a guy i'm going in as a female Mm -hmm. knowing what's going to happen and I want the credit of being in the industry because I work my butt off, not because I'm a female. And, like, I don't want I don't want the pity of people saying, like, oh, well, you wouldn't get these comments if you're a guy. I get it. You know, I'm, I'm a female in the industry. But if I don't, you know, darned if I don't know more than half those guys in, <laughs> in the industry. Um, and that's kind of how I'm going to go on the defensive side. You know, I'm I growing up in Ohio State and in Michigan, I already had to defend myself <laughs> to the 10th degree. So I like to think that, you know, when this, criticism hits me or when when guys come forward and they say oh she doesn't know what she's talking about i'll just smile and say okay you know (laughs) bring it on bring it on (laughs) so hopefully and the thing with maria taylor and she you know handled that really gracefully and and then kind of put her foot down but same i mean the same kind of thing happens you know if, if if some comment were to go to a guy like that i'd expect them to do the same thing you know you gotta stand up for what you know because you're in that position, and other people aren't.
1: So, one, one quick little follow up: Have you run into much of that yet?
5: Not so much on my personal when I when I tweet out videos, but definitely when ESPN and Barstool did, it was yeah, it was a little, it was a, it was tough to hear some things. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to happen everywhere. Criticism is just a natural response,
1: though. So. Yeah, well, how does mom and dad deal with it? Oh,
5: my dad, I had to get my dad off Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> he was going to start commenting to everybody, so I had to get him off.
6: <laughs> uh. No, I, I think that that is just the perfect answer, and it's so cool to hear you say that, because, I mean, it, I, I think we talked about it. I work at ESPN, so I, you know, I'll, I'll admit it. This is a little bit of a company man mm-hmm. comment, but I am really proud to work for ESPN, because they're clearly embracing diversity, mm-hmm. and they always have, and I've been here for almost 10 years, and I've always seen that, embracing diversity and, and actually, like, encouraging it. And you mentioned NFL Live earlier. Mm-hmm. Laura Rutledge is the new host. And Mina Kimes mm-hmm. is on the show. And, and Maria Taylor is doing NBA Countdown and Monday Night Football mm-hmm. and big college football games. So, so, yeah, I mean, I think you're, you're putting yourself out there. And, but also recognizing what you might face is a big thing. So, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's kudos to you that you're coming into it with that mindset already.
5: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I completely. You know, ESPN has been so good at that too. And there, I mean, I wouldn't think that I could get a job in that industry if it weren't for the people that I grew up watching. You know, Hannah Storm and and just everybody. That especially Maria Taylor is just such an idol for me. But. But seeing them on the big, you know, the big stage, mm-hmm. there's no—I never looked at it and thought, "Oh, this is a male-dominant industry," or "This is, you know, they're super inclusive." I just thought, as that's what I want to do someday.
3: So, how did you end uh, up? I, um, this is something I've been kind of wondering about. So, you you're from Michigan. How did you end up being an Ohio State fan? What's the story with that? Are you a bandwagon fan?
5: Oh. Uh, I knew that word would <laughs> be. <laughs> uh, no, so actually, um, I became an Ohio State again right before the sanction. So I like to say that I joined a sinking ship instead, yep. of, instead of a bandwagon. Um, but, no, I loved Evan Turner uh, back when he played for Ohio State, obviously, and mm-hmm. kind of mentioned it being – you know in michigan and i wanted to talk sports throughout high school and guys would take you a lot more seriously i learned this really quickly um if you disagreed with them because you know if you agree with them they'd be like well of course you of course yeah. you say that yep. i said that but then if i disagreed i'd really have to prove myself and they would find that i mean it would be their life goal to prove me wrong so i i would come home on the weekend and i'd watch every second of football and i would make sure i knew every stat and every player and just uh, you know make sure I was prepared for monday when i went back to school so <laughs> So I think that was a big part of the preparation. But then, you know, being able to be kind of against Michigan and Michigan State and be kind of the odd person out was just super fun for me. And obviously it's, it's been to my benefit recently because, you know, we kind of have a good team. So
3: <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So do you have any problem with how the Big Ten kind of handled – COVID, where how they canceled the season, and then obviously they just brought it back last week to October 24th. Do you do you, do you agree with the decision to bring it back?
5: Yeah, so the, I thought it was just super strange, and, you know, I don't know the ins and outs, obviously, what everybody um, in the, you know, the Big Ten organization was dealing with, but it almost was like, a um, you know, I think they wanted to kind of set the tone for everybody else, thinking that the SEC and the ACC would, would immediately be like, yep, okay, Big Ten's out, we're out too. But then when they saw, you know, other than the Pac-12 kind of following in their footsteps, I think... They they were like shoot, maybe we shouldn't have done this. Um, and then obviously you had the fans calling to their heads, and the players wanting to play, and the parents. And um, I think it kind of didn't leave up any, uh, didn't leave it up to any other choice but other than to say, yeah, we're going to play football. So I mm-hmm. think in the in the beginning, their you know their idea was it was a good idea maybe, and they you know they had the best intentions, but it just didn't work out that way. And, and honestly, I think if you would have started play, and then if something were to happen, if an outbreak would happen then you cancel the season. But at yeah. least you showed fans and parents and players that you were invested.
1: So mm-hmm.
5: I think it could have been handled better, but, you know, you never know what's going on with them. So
1: you're, you're building up quite a resume at a young age, Annie, and I just want to ask this one question. I mean, if you had your preference, you know, when you, when you move into the big time, is it <laughs> NBA basketball, NFL football? Do you have a preference sports-wise?
5: Oh, um, definitely football. I mean, college game day, i wanted to be on college game day since, yeah. you know, I was like five years old. But NFL is also holds a special place in my heart, too. So, any and honestly, it's anything football-related. And ironically, that's the one sport I didn't play. I don't know why I'm so invested in football, but, I mean, it's hard not to be. It's yeah. one of the best it's great sport. In the world, so.
6: <laughs> no, I, I definitely think you're, you're building up, like Ted said, a, a, a heck of a resume. So it seems like you're well on your way. I want to get back uh-huh. real quick, though, so, before we maybe start to get you out of here. To West Michigan. So you mentioned Grand yeah. Valley State, and then you worked at the NBC affiliate in Grand Rapids. Jared went to Grand Valley. I am a Grand uh-huh. Valley alum. Jared worked at Fox Go 17 Lakers. and has done stuff yeah. for them. I've, I worked at Fox Seventeen for three years. I love West Michigan. I, I if it wouldn't have been a, a job opportunity at ESPN, I would not have probably left West Michigan in mm-hmm. Grand Rapids. Can you talk about working over on that side of the state and going to Grand Valley and how nice of a school that was, and just mm-hmm. it's just such a nice area in the state that, you know, it, it draws people to it, and the high school football is, is great, and the athletics are great, and the lake is there.
5: I mean, how, how mm-hmm. nice
6: is it on the west side of the state over there?
5: Yeah, you know, the, honestly, there is no, and I've been to quite a few places, there's no place that compares to here, and I know that sounds super biased, but, mm-hmm. you know, you have the beach town, and I, I would tell, you know, like recruits coming into Grand Valley and all this stuff, the same thing. You have beach towns at, like, Grand Haven al- along the water, you're, you're half an hour away from hitting a beach that feels like the ocean. Then you've got the city with Grand Rapids. You have great minor league sports teams, the Whitecaps, the Drive, the Griffins. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it feels like this bigger city within a small city. So you don't feel like you're just a number, but then you don't feel like you're, you know, out in the boonies somewhere. And, and But then you do have, you know, farming community, and you have all these suburban areas. And it, it's just – it's almost like the best of – Every situation wrapped up in a city, and um, that's why I knew I wanted to go to Grand Valley. Was because it was so, you know, it was such a big part of the community already, and so close. And I, uh, I toured it, and right away, I just fell in love with it. You know, mm-hmm. it's super close to the water, and close to the city, and the sports teams were great there. And their D two, you know, could be D one possibly, but yeah. um but they're yeah. a great D two program, and I just loved every opportunity at Grand Valley. And, and like you said, the city is just it's. It's un it's it's n- unmatched. There's yeah. no other city in the world. I feel like that's Lake grand Rapids. So as hard as it would be, maybe to leave someday, uh, you know, I want to be in ESPN at Bristol and uh, and stuff like that. So um, as hard as that might be, it's a great it's a great city on the west side here.
1: Well, Annie, I'll tell you what. Uh, we appreciate the time. We look forward. Hopefully, you for, don't forget us, and and you'll join us again <laughs> down Not the road. A chance. <laughs> that's
5: a grand Valley alum, I can't yep. forget you. <laughs> there you go.
1: And then also before we wrap up, tell our listeners best spots to follow you.
5: Oh, okay. Perfect. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Annie Agar. A-G-A-R is the last name. And then on Instagram, it's Annie Agar 5. And TikTok is the same thing, Annie Agar 5.
1: Outstanding. Well, we really appreciate the time. Love your stuff. We'll keep looking at it and uh, we'll, we'll check in with you down the road.
5: Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. It's yeah, been thank great. you.
1: That was good stuff talking with Annie. And, Jared, you went to school with her and know her personally and all that, right? I,
3: didn't, I mean, I didn't go to school with her, but working at Fox 17 in Grand Rapids while well, she was working oh, at the you. Rival Station, we usually would end up at a lot of the same games. And right. when you're shooting, you usually shoot from the same angles and stuff, so you kind of get to know a person through that.
1: Well, she's kind of definitely way. on her way. And speaking on their way, why don't you head over to Sheridan Auction Service? They always have a great variety of items in real estate on the docket. Go online at SheridanAuctionService.com for their information on upcoming auctions. The house is packed with all kinds of great items. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com. And uh, they have a sweet-looking 1964 Corvette Stingray going to be auctioned off. Check that out. Also, Nelson House Funeral Homes, their number one goal is to serve the families in our community. Their top priority is caring for our friends and neighbors, being right there when you need them the most. They're the best in the business, i got to tell you. For more details, see them on the web at nelson-house.com. And our favorite gathering place to watch sports, that's Rivals Taphouse & Grill, the official sports bar of 3 Point Podcast. They're open for dine-in service again, full menu, specializing in pub sandwiches, all kinds of drink specials. Come on out for the Thursday bike nights and the great first-of-the-month parties, Rivals Tap House & Grill in Corona.
3: Bryson DeChambeau won the U.S. Open, and I'm personally super excited about it because this guy, this guy is, I we remember we talked about a few weeks ago, I, I mentioned how he has the same, all of his clubs are the same length, uh, he's he's complained about how he had a, a fire ants on his ball and wanted a free drop, he's, he's in a new controversy every week, he's a big rival of Brooks Kepka. but this guy absolutely boat raced the US open he won by six strokes and it's funny how he won because right off the rip the USGA led into the US open basically saying how the winner of this tournament is going to be around eight over. <laughs> and so imagine every all the fans are kind of rolling into this expecting to see, you know, a lot of carnage. And day 1, Thursday, it wasn't that whatsoever, though uh, I believe 20 people went out and went under par. Well, on Sunday, Bryson was just pure nails. And he was the only player that went under and he was, he was 300. The next closest guy was even, he ended up winning by six. And the thing that I like about this guy is he's just true to himself. He's a little bit quirky, a little bit nerdy. This whole off season, he basically rebuilt his body to become like a lot stronger. He's a lot bigger built now. And he just absolutely bombs the ball. And that's the thing that's crazy. That has a lot of people kind of wondering what the future of golf looks like is because he's not super accurate. Uh, He's not the best putter in the world. He missed a lot of fairways. Uh, He was one of the highest missed fairway rate in the U.S. Open this past week, but yet he's out there shooting six under when everyone else is over par. It's just crazy how he hits the ball so far, and he's able to. he has so many eagle chances on every par five that it just adds up to a great score.
1: Well, I think he was asked that question. You know, at the U.S. Open, you're going to have a lot of rough and Mm -hmm. real bad rough, and he was asked some question about, well, what's that do with your long game? And he just said something like, hey, if I hit it farther than anybody else, then I'm going to be closer to the hole. So what if I'm in the rough? Everybody else is, too. Yeah. And really, if you look at his season, he's come on gangbusters, to use an mm-hmm. old man term. And, you know, it's I, no, I don't want to give any comparison to Tiger Woods and what went on with that, but is he like the future right now to what you're going to hang your hat on?
3: I think that he, he's definitely representing a new wave of golf, like I said, just with the, the Bombing drives and potentially the the club thing that he does potentially that could catch on, especially if he keeps winning. But I just think the guy's entertaining, and in a leaderboard that wasn't necessarily stacked with big names, it was good to see that he was at the top of it. Because whether you like him or not, like you can't lie that the guy is electric, for Mm -hmm. lack of a better term.
6: Yeah, he's one of those guys. When he's at the top of the leaderboard, it makes people tune in. Obviously, like what it or what it still is with Tiger, Mm -hmm. even when he's just in a tournament, people are going to tune in. But, yeah, he, he definitely is rubbing people the wrong way. Like, I saw Rory McIlroy came out and was making some comments about him. And, like he said, yeah. Shambo said something along the lines of, like, I'm in the same conversation as Jack and Tiger. And he was just basically talking about how he won the U.S. Open. But, of course, when he said that, you know, people started saying, oh, you know, like, slow your role, You're not quite there yet. But, right, it, it is cool to just hear him like he's just being himself. He knows he hits the long ball, so that's how he's going to play his game. You brought up Tiger, or mm-hmm. one of you guys did, and, it just makes me think, like, you know, in saying, like, maybe he's the future of golf. How many guys have we heard, Yeah. you know, basically since Tiger kind of started to tail off, are the future of golf? Like, this makes me, it should make everyone appreciate how great Tiger was for yeah. so long. Because there's been so many guys that are the future of golf. I mean, even like Rory. Rory was going to be the guy. Mm. And he's clearly tailed off. Brooks Koepka is supposed to be the guy. And he, you know, Jordan he's Spieth. still young, obviously, but he hasn't, like, kept it up. So, like, Justin Thomas and all these other guys are supposed to be the next great – the next Tiger Woods. And so, like, is this shambo going to be it? I don't know. But it's just crazy. It
3: makes you appreciate how great Tiger was for so long. It does. And, yeah, there's never going to be another Tiger. It's just – it's impossible. Probably like not. In terms of, like, how much he won in that short amount of time, like, there's never going to be another guy. Maybe there will be another guy who maybe over a long term of his career who doesn't have a Tiger injury – riddled and, like, controversy-riddled career where he can just play for 30 years. Maybe he'll get to the amount of wins that, like, a Tiger or Jack Nicholson Nicholson, has, but he's never going to be able to do it, like, in the amount of time that Tiger did it. But the thing that's – I don't understand about how people – like, a lot of people view it as a negative thing, that DeChambeau could be changing golf, that this isn't – like, they don't like that this is the future, where, like you said, where they – it's funny how people – laugh at like how it's like oh you're supposed to be so accurate at winged foot but the funny thing is the fairways are so narrow that even if you try playing it smarter with like a four iron or a three wood off the tee chances are you're still going to end up in the rough so why not just hit the ball as far as humanly possible and then just live with the results afterward that's basically what he did he's outsmarted everyone in the field
1: well here's a fun fact for you that uh, you know he was talking about being compared to tiger and jack nicholas well the three of them are the only golfers to win the NCAA Division One singles title, the U.S. Amateur, and the U.S. Open. So how about that? Right.
6: And right. It, yeah, and that's, that was also, like, to his point. That's what he was trying to say. Right. But, of course, people are going to, like, you know, take a spin at the wrong way or whatever. Yeah. But I'm just curious to see, like, how he, now that he's kind of becoming a household name, especially for golf fans, you know, household name or whatever. So, like, what's next? Because it happened to – Jordan Spieth, that happened to Brooks Kepka, happened to Rory, all these guys. And then, you know, like Ricky Fowler was one of the most popular players on, on tour, and he, he can't even win a tournament. So it's like, you know, so what's going to be the next step? Now he's got a major. So, like, what's it going to
3: be now? There's a lot of young guys we saw at Colin Morikawa who won the PGA Championship. But the guy who finished second, uh, Matthew Wolf. If you haven't seen how this guy swings, you need to look it up on YouTube right now. It's the most bizarre swing you've ever seen in your life. But the guy's a stud. I mean, he's my age, and he's leading the U.S. Open after three days. I mean, sure, he fell apart a little bit, and that would be my one complaint about the U.S. Open is that we didn't have quite a photo finish at the end. Anticlimactic. But Matt Wolf is a guy to look at in terms of like him, Colin Morikawa is a couple of guys who you know they're not going to be the next Tiger, but they could be the next wave of fun guys to watch on tour. So I think that's partially where the future of golf
1: is. You know, it used to be a famous commercial uh, about the Atlanta Braves: "Chicks dig the long ball," right? Yeah. All right. Are we? Are we? What's your prediction, Jared? Are you? Are we going to see Deshambo kind of be a great golfer, or is he going to go the way of John Daly? I think he's gonna. He's so.
3: He seems so like scientific in how he handles golf, and his head seems to be somewhat on straight. So I think he's gonna have a long career Mm -hmm. where this is kind of the future. And I think it's gonna be the future. I don't know why this is a problem. This is like I don't want to see the John Daly's that weigh four hundred pounds. Like a guy like Deshambo, who's built like basically an NFL running back, and he can bomb the ball. Like it's more of adding a physical element to golf that hasn't been there in the past, and now it's letting guys hit it further, like Dustin Johnson, Bubba Watson, like guys like that.
6: I mean, that Tiger brought – really, Tiger brought that in. Yeah. Tiger was training like a Navy SEAL. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was more like, like John Daly or whatever. Maybe not like that extreme, but it was more that kind of thing before Tiger came along, and then maybe he took the, the training. He maybe took it a little too far because he even said maybe that led to some of his injuries. But even Kepka Pep, Kepka's built like like an NFL, like running back, kind of like what you said too, so – I think guys know that they need to be more in shape if they're going to be trying to bomb the ball off the tee all the time. But, I mean, that's how Bubba Watson played. Bill Mickelson's always hit bombs off the tee. So, it's like at some point, though, yeah, it's great to be able to drive the ball 400 yards, but you do need to dial it in a little bit. So, that's what I, that's kind of what I'm getting to a little bit. I'm going to be curious how, like, his game progresses because, yeah, at some point, you know, you're going to have to dial it in. If, if you're in, like, a three, three-person playoff at Augusta or something like that, you mm-hmm. can't just be hitting bombs all the time.
1: Well, especially the long-term effects on your back. I mean, you yeah. you can strengthen your back as much as you want, but that twisting constantly and as many swings as they take, that's going to take a toll. Well,
6: what happened to you, right? Exactly. There were so many things.
1: About. So many things happened to my golf game. We won't get into that. Um, let's slide things over to the NBA, man. We've been seeing some great play down the bubble. We've talked about that. I mean, we're We're recording, like we mentioned, on Monday and Sunday night. Wow, what a finish. AD and the Lakers, Mm -hmm. and that was just a tremendous game and tremendous finish, and the Joker, man, that guy can play. It's crazy because he he was playing
3: not a great game up until the fourth quarter, and then he scores 11, basically all by himself, and then they take the lead, and then everyone, and I know Matt might have this complaint about LeBron, the fact that he wasn't the one, and I will admit I was a little bit disappointed that he wasn't the one that took the final shot, but how can you be mad at him? When Anthony Davis just absolutely buries a shot when the when the Nuggets bring in Mason Plumlee to guard yeah. Anthony Davis, I mean, come on, you got to let him shoot that. Yeah. And he was red hot at the yeah. end of the game too.
6: That that's obviously that's always been one of one of the complaints or one of the criticisms about LeBron basically whole, his whole career is that he was a little not like Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant in like wanting to be the guy all the time taking a shot. But that's been LeBron his whole career. And back when like Kobe was playing and Kobe was my guy. I would, I would definitely be one ripping on LeBron, saying that like he doesn't want to be the guy to take the shot. But now that you know, maybe because he's on the Lakers, I definitely appreciate how great he is. Mm -hmm. Like that's been his game the whole time. He's fine setting other guys up to take the last shot. If he can set another guy up to take a wide open three when his was going to be contested, he's fine with that. And I think he recognizes that Anthony Davis is no joke. I mean, he's when he's healthy, he's a top five player in the league. So. LeBron's perfectly fine letting AD take, you know, 25 shots if LeBron only has to take 15. Oh, and it's the the one thing that made me think with that buzzer beater cuz it was the Lakers were the home team. But yeah. you know, oh. I mean we we've all said that we love the bubble. The bubble with the NBA has been amazing, mm-hmm. but you it, you can't help but wonder like that game was supposed to be at Staples Center. So it's like if that buzzer beater would have yeah. happened in LA, that would have been one of the coolest moments in like NBA playoff history. Instead, it was in the it, bubble, well. and it was just, the, you know, the benches cheering.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you could hear him shout out, Kobe, man. You must have wet your yeah. pants when he did that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh,
6: I, I, yeah, I thought I saw it. when, when Like, I saw him, like, they panned him right away. And I started thinking, like, what did he say? I Like, honestly, at first, it just looked like he was, like, saying, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And then immediately, you know, on Twitter and stuff, people were slowing it down, saying, like, he said, Kobe. And I was like, that's just badass, because they were wearing the Mamba jerseys and everything. And, and their coach, Frank Vogel, they've been preaching moment mentality and doing it for Kobe and carrying on Kobe's legacy through this whole playoff run so it's it's uh I don't know yeah as a Kobe fan and a Lakers fan it's pretty cool
3: I love the Lakers this is a good series I because I like both teams and I don't know about you guys but just over the course of the playoffs I mean normally the Nuggets games are on at 10 30 you don't have a much of a chance to watch them but I've fallen in love with Jokic and Murray both of them are very fun to watch, like for for entirely different reasons. Jokic is more like a LeBron, where he gets everybody involved, is just kind of all around really good player. And then it, I forgot that Jamal Murray just has absolute like flamethrower, where the guy can yeah. just put up points like in a hurry, and he just can shoot anywhere. I just I love that team. But the difference between being and everyone's like, oh, don't let them get down three one, like they're going to come back. This is LeBron. This is Anthony Davis. This isn't, uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz. And it's not Kawhi and a Clippers team that's just completely in shambles. Like, they're a little bit stronger than that, and that's what would make you think that this series is pretty much over, I think.
1: It does kind of make you think a little bit like it's destiny. I mean, we're talking about the whole Kobe thing. You know, that was this year. It is a little extra motivation for the Lakers. and, And let's face it, you know, you had Jordan and Pippen, and now you got AD and LeBron. I mean, that's a pretty good combination.
6: No, uh, Yeah, I think, Jared, your point mm-hmm. is LeBron, Hey, I mean, he's been playing well in this series. It's only been two games against the Nuggets, but AD has been definitely carrying it. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, say they get to 3-1 and maybe say the Nuggets start kind of, they win a game or win two games. If LeBron has to turn it on, then he can. Like, I mean, that's right. To your point, they weren't playing LeBron and, and AD in those first two series, so I think it's completely different. But they, the other thing, too, the, the whole destiny, what you're talking about, Ted, it's kind of weird. The last time the Lakers were in the Western Conference Finals was uh, when when Kobe was on the team, and they played the Rockets in the series before the Western Conference Finals. And in that year, they played the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals, and then the series ended in Orlando. So, and that's where the the NBA Finals will be this year. So there's all those like weird things going on too. That it really does kind of feel like destiny.
1: Well, we should talk a little bit about the other series too, oh, which yeah. is a great series with the Heat and Celtics. I mean. Between Denver and the Heat, I'm not sure which team I think reminds me more of the 2004 Pistons. I mean, you know, no real superstars. I mean, you got one on on uh, Miami, but I mean, Denver, Jokic? Well, Jokic, superstar, okay, I would say a he's a top star, five player almost. Okay. He's right up there. And I'll say just one last thing before
3: uh, we kind of move on to the Heat series, sure. obviously, which is, I would say, probably the best series uh, of, the, of the two. I mean Jamal Murray, I love this story and I've told it I think to my dad where basically when they were down 3-1 to the Utah Jazz, he started packing up his stuff the night before their final their their game 5 and he started packing up his stuff into a suitcase and then he kind of had like a realization like what the hell am I doing? <laughs> like I don't want to go home yet. So he called up like basically everybody on the team, they had a nice little meeting and then since then they've you know, just been resilient as hell, and they made it all the way to the Western Conference Final when a lot of people didn't think they were going to make it out of round one. So I just stuff like stuff like that just has you have to root for these guys. But as for like the Celtics and he, I love both these teams. The thing that my biggest takeaway on these things is I don't understand why Coach Eric Spolstra – seemingly has never gotten credit, like, his entire career, even when he was with LeBron. Remember, like, where yeah. the big story was line It like, get this guy out of here, like, fire him. But Pat Riley always uh, stuck with him and said, like, no, this is our guy, like, whether LeBron likes him or not. And now you just look at this team, it's basically a lot of role players, like you said, like the Detroit Pistons, other than maybe a Jimmy Butler or a Goran Dragic. and yet none of the talk seems to be shut on this guy. I don't get it.
1: Yeah, and, you know, a lot of people don't realize, I heard it on another source today, that he's been with the Miami organization, like, over 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> Started as like started like a video video videographer, right? Yeah. yeah.
6: Yeah, yeah. he started as a videographer, worked his way up to head coach, and obviously, like you said, he was there when, when LeBron and, and D. Wade and Bosh were there. And, yeah, I, even during those years, I mean, obviously when you have the big three of Bosh, Wade, and LeBron, I mean, they're going to take all the headlines. Mm-hmm. But it's still like Phil Jackson used to always talk about it. That, like Even when you have these loaded rosters like he had with the Bulls and the Lakers, you still need a strong head coach to like keep everything together. So, yeah, like Spolstra deserves all that credit. And then, like, they've completely rebuilt. Like, think about the Heat. You have Bosh, Wade, and LeBron, and you end up losing them. That would, like, destroy a lot of teams for, like, 10 years. I mean, look what's happened to the Pistons. Exactly. Yeah. Pistons lost their core, and they haven't recovered. And it doesn't look like you're going to anytime soon. So, right, for Pat Riley and then Spolstra, to kind of turn things around. And, I mean, that series is still, like, there's still a long ways to go. But, I mean, they're playing really great. And it, it does give me, like, vibes of 0-4 Pistons, because outside of Jimmy Butler, like, it is kind of, like, you could almost say Jimmy Butler is, like, Rip Hamilton, and then the rest of the guys are kind of the role players, you know, so... Uh, yeah, the Heat, I mean, I'm not like a Heat fan, but I, I do like watching them. They just fight. They play hard.
3: See, I'll offer a counter-argument to them being more like the O four 4 Pistons. I think it's more like, how do you listen to the story about after game two, Marcus Smart just goes into the locker room and just is throwing things and arguing with everybody, and people view that as a negative, but I like what Draymond Green says. He says a lot of smart things, by the way. I really like he, Draymond Green. He's pretty Green. good. Uh, He basically said, like, good teams argue because they, like, care, and they actually care about what happens, and they're smart, and they know, like, how things should be, whereas bad teams, they don't really care. They don't care about the games. They're not going to argue about it. They know they suck. So I think it's overall just a positive that they are having, like, that back and forth in the locker room. And since then, I mean, they obviously won game three. I would say game four is pretty much a must win as well. But Gordon Hayward, this is my favorite story so far of this entire series. If you remember at the start of the bubble, he said that he was going to leave for his, I don't know, daughter or son's uh, birth, which is coming up this week, like pretty dang soon. right? And you know that that wasn't true. You knew that he said that, like, tell me if you guys would have probably done this, you guys have both had kids, <laughs> where you he said that so that he didn't get bitched at for basically two or three months <laughs> leading up to that. He knew that if they were in a series and that's going to come down to it, he knew that he wasn't going to be there for that birth. Am I wrong? Is that probably what happened? I
1: will tell you this, that would be a complete no-brainer the way he handled it, for yeah. sure. I mean... If he has to come down to de- decision time, you know, here r- real soon, might be a different story. But when he when he made that statement, that that's a no brainer.
6: Yeah, I mean, he's not going to say that I'm not showing up two months before because yeah, <laughs> he's going to be getting a via FaceTime. He's going to be getting an <laughs> evil eye from his wife. Yeah. But, but yeah, so he comes back, and obviously, like Eastern Conference Finals. I think it's their third, third or fourth kid, and it's not that it's any less important. But you know, he's been through it. They've been through it. So I'm sure both of them were like, no, stay. Stay in the bubble
3: and play. Yeah. But here's the thing that would make me not worry if I'm a Celtics fan or uh, you know a player on their team. the fact, they've led for 75% of this series, which is kind of crazy to think about. They've obviously had trouble blowing a lot of leads, and they almost blew the lead in game three. Right. But I would say they're overall playing more, le- more, more like the better team. Just They just got to learn to finish. So once they learn to finish, once Gordon Hayward gets really back into the swing of things, he's coming back from injury. I think they're going to be really tough to beat. Even if they, even if the Heat are making a lot of threes, which they didn't do in Game Three,
1: I think it would be kind of cool, really. To even though I really, really like this Heat team, the way that way they're playing, wouldn't it be great to see a Lakers Celtics final? Yeah, wouldn't it, I mean, just the two marquee teams in the league, really. When you think about
6: it, it would be. Yeah, it'd be cool.
1: That's what I'm rooting for, personally. I love the Heat. I love
3: Jimmy Butler, but and I love the Nuggets, but. It just It's more entertaining to have the Celtics versus
1: Lakers. Yeah, and it's just a strange time of year to be having NBA Finals, but I'm like, awesome. it. It is pretty good. I like it.
3: I mean, you can Tell me about this. Game seven for that series could be Sunday. So imagine you're watching NFL football and you're flipping back and forth between that. I mean, it's perfect. Ah, I, think
1: about that. Not bad. And it would be
6: after and, the Lions. I mean, the the, <laughs> the NBA Finals, it might stretch out. Uh, you know, there might be games on, like, college football Saturdays. And oh, stuff. Yeah. So that, it could yeah. There could be some good weekends coming up.
1: Good or bad. I mean, there, there's, there's yeah. you got some decisions to make there, back and forth, right? <laughs>
3: yep. I think you go NBA Finals over anything, You almost really. have to, even, really. Maybe even a Michigan football game would be the only thing I would say, but I don't think that's going to be back in time. Yet. Yeah. So yeah, that's the only right. thing. What do we,
6: what do we think? I, I know we're probably about getting ready to sign off, but uh, real quick, what do we think about Michigan Michigan State playing on Halloween? Potentially, they're wow. saying they, they might have it be a night, night game, too.
3: That would be sweet. It's. it's I mean, it, it looks like there might not be a – traditional Halloween this year, right. you know, with obviously COVID and everything. So but that's a nice little tree something. that uh that gives you something to look forward to on something. Halloween.
1: Absolutely. Especially for us old guys that have nothing to do with Halloween, so that'd be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> hey, before we wrap up, i got a couple things we <laughs> want to wrap up this podcast with. Before we get to that though, I want to tell you about Advanced Elevator Company. They feature top expert field technicians for troubleshooting, repair and installation of elevators, an area business leader in a long time. Huge supporter of the Corona Public School. Speaking of Corona, the Corona they know it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at CoronaConnection.com and also Hankard Sportswear. They're the area's number one clothing and more printing business, Owasso, Corona, and St. Paul School Spiritwear in stock. They offer all other area school items at request. Located in the heart of Owasso at 116 West Exchange Street. Follow them on Facebook at com. Hey, uh, gentlemen, before we wrap up this podcast, I've just got to send a shout out to my good friend and nephew, Jared Fattel. Made his sideline debut last Friday night did a great job. It added a lot to our broadcast, and uh, welcome to the team officially. But uh, do you have some fun? It was pretty fun.
3: Uh, we obviously had to work out some kinks with it being yeah. the first broadcast, but there's it's weird how even I have been on the air before, you know, numerous times as Z ninety two five. But it's weird how it's, you still kind of get a little bit of a rush each and every time you go live.
1: Yeah, well, you you couldn't tell any nervousness, and it sounded really good. And it was it it, it it's really a nice little thing to add bringing you up at halftime. You know, we do a little miniature version of Three Point Podcast. And uh, it it was just a lot of fun. It's good to have you along.
3: It's great to be a part of the show. Like I said, it might be gunning for your job here uh, pretty (laughs) soon. So
1: stay careful. Yeah, I might give it to you sooner than (laughs) later, man. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess that'll be a wrap, everyone. Follow us. Let our partners know you listen in. They include Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, Hankard Sportswear, Rivals Tap House & Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, and Sheridan Auction Service. Big thanks to Annie Agar. Uh, you can check her out at Annie Agar and a lot of good things there. And also want to remind you our next Castle football game of the week is St. John's at Williamston. Jared will get even more airtime in that one. For Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel, thanking you again for supporting 3 Point Podcast.